Jesus League. Hello and welcome back to Big Les's League and all rugby league experience. I'm your host, Big Les. We're going to be going through the games from this weekend, your round seven review. We'll start off straight away with the Sharks v the Manly Seagulls. 34 to 22, the score was. Uh, Sharks came out firing in that first half. That's probably the best first half I've seen from a team in a long time. Long, long time. They got that 34-point lead. The 32-point lead, it was, I think, Neil. Uh, in the first half, Nico Hines, he was setting things up left, right, and center. So is Moylan. Uh, it really looked good from the Sharkies and Talakai as well, coming out with a really strong first half with those two tries and nearly scoring a third as well. Had to give it to Ronaldo Molotalo in the end, but wow, what a first half we saw from Talakai running over 200 meters too in that first half. Sensational effort from him. Manly, they nearly came back in that second half which was scary. In that second half, they came out strong. Really, really tough defense, solid defense. I honestly thought they were going to win that game. I thought they were going to come back and win that game. The score obviously ended up being 34-22. They were very, very close. The Manly Seagulls, very, very close. No, I wouldn't say they shut the Sharks down, but they didn't score any tries in that second half. The Sharks had to get to 34 through a penalty goal. So very good effort there from Manly in the second half. It was a very courageous effort from Manly too. It was a really good day from Manly in that second half, but Manly right side defense... Morgan Harper and Jason Saab side, that needs to be fixed because that's where Talakai and Ronaldo, they kept going for those tries. They kept going down that same side because they knew they exploited a, a problem with that defense and that's why they got in there for those tries. So right side defense for Manly needs to be fixed. Other than that, the defense I thought was pretty spot on, especially in the second half, as I said. Credit to both halves from both teams. It was a really good effort there from Hines and Moylan. I thought Hines really stood out there for the Sharkies as well. He was pretty much in every single play. And credit to both Kieran Foran and Daly Cherry Evans. He just missed out on my team of the week, Kieran Foran. He was sensational. Sensational. The thing is, most people wouldn't really understand or see his efforts, but he was just in everything for Manly, and he was really setting up most of their plays and most of their opportunities. His defense as well. He put on some big tackles. He was un- un- he was unreal. He was unreal. There's no other word for it. Kieran Foran, really good effort there. Just missed out on my team of the week. He probably would have been on the bench. Probably would have just made a spot. Obviously, Brooksy, obviously. All these other halves as well had to go down there, including Hines, who I thought was really good and just everywhere for the Sharkies. Yeah, but Kieran Foran, he just missed out. If I had to pick an 18th man, he'd definitely be there, Kieran Foran. Uh, we'll move on to the next game, the Broncos v. the Bulldogs. It was 34-14. to 14. Very similar scoreline. Wouldn't say very similar in the playing style. The Bulldogs were sort of there in the first half, and then they sort of just dropped off in that second half, which was unfortunate, and starting to lose a little bit of confidence there for the Doggies. I had a lot of confidence for them at the start of this season. I wouldn't say a lot of confidence. I had a bit of confidence in them, and especially with the side that they have as well, Adokar, Dufty, Flano, Burton. But I've realized that that tiny little adjustments to the side won't end up fixing it. At the end of the day, it's them getting to gel and stuff like that. I've really started to realize that over watching the past few weeks of footy. I thought if there was anyone really to, to shout out there from the Bulldogs, Matt Burton, he's been really, really good for them over the past few weeks, and he's almost been carrying that side, really, the Bulldogs. He's 
given them a bit of direction, which I think is what they really needed. Someone like Adam Reynolds, even if they could get someone of that caliber into that side, a halfback like that, it's something that they really do need. They lack a bit of direction, uh, the Bulldogs. I think that even with Burton in the side in the direction he is giving them, I think they just need that leader and they need to let Burton, you know, have that freedom to be off the cuff. Uh, he does provide a lot of structure and he's a really calm player in the halves, but I do think they still need someone like an Adam Reynolds uh, to come in there. And I'm not using a South analogy because I'm a South supporter, but someone of that caliber, there's so many other guys, Cleary, you know, um, plenty of guys that can just be a game manager and let the halves beside them have a bit of razzle-dazzle. I thought that Josh Adokar as well was quite impressive. Uh, he notched up a few meters there for the Bulldogs, so... Uh, yeah, both of those guys. If there's anyone I have to shout out from the Bulldogs, it's those two. But Adam Reynolds. Adam Reynolds, his impact on this side has been really, really positive for the Broncos. Even though they haven't won all their games, you can see that they're starting to get a bit of direction, which is what they needed. We talk about direction, uh, the halves implementing a bit of direction into their side. That's what win. That's what wins games. Defense wins games, but it's also having a structure, having a game plan. When you're just going out there and playing only off the cuff, and especially what I've noticed as well is the fact that before Reynolds were chopping and changing their halves consistently, as soon as they stopped chopping and changing, they started winning a bit more games, and they've started to look really good. I think that. Walters and Reynolds were starting to sort of gel a tiny bit. Obviously, Walters is now at 14 and they've brought in Tyson Gamble. I think that the Broncos, if they want to win more games than they already are, which they are winning a few games, but not too many, they definitely need to let these two halves gel. They definitely need to let these two halves gel. Even even at the first two games of the season, the only reasons that they didn't go as well was because Reynolds wasn't there. And they need to let Reynolds gel with whoever he's been put with. And I think Tyson Gamble, he impressed me somewhat. I think Billy Walters was pretty good with Reynolds. So whoever they do pick, though, they definitely need to let them gel. I think Reynolds and Tamari Martin in the halves wouldn't be a bad shout. And I would love to see how that would go. But I don't know. I didn't mind Tamari Martin at fullback either. So it'd be very, very interesting conversation here. But Broncos, really good performance by them, 34-14. to 14. I think they're going to be keeping a pretty similar side to what they had last week. Moving on to the next game, it was the Cowboys v. the Titans, 30-4. to 4. Uh, Cowboys, they are something special. They are looking really, really impressive. I thought that Drinkwater was really good, and I think he takes the one for me. He takes that fullback spot, 141 meters, three tackle breaks, just spot on for me. One try assist as well. Really, really spot on. Really liked his performance in that one. I don't think David Fafita is a center. I don't really like him in the centers. I think that he's a back rower and a solid one at that. He just needs more ball, and he needs good ball. Like he, we talked about it with a lot of people. I've talked about it with a few guys. You guys wait until David Fafita plays Origin. You wait. Trust me. You'll see the ball that he gets from Cameron Munster or from Daly Cherry Evans, whoever's on his side. That's the ball he needs to be getting at the Titans. He needs to be getting good ball, maybe some early ball sometimes, but regularly. You need to keep him constantly involved, whether that means he plays shorter minutes I don't know, but he needs to be constantly involved for me. And I know people say, yeah, but he's really good. And those little stints that he has is really good. He can't get tackled and he scores. 
you know, one or two tries a game when he does get involved. Could you imagine how many tries he'd be scoring if he was consistently involved and if they gave him ball in space, if they got him one-on-one with defenders? He would be unreal. So this is what I'm saying. They, he needs to get one-on-one with defenders. He needs to get good ball. If he does this, he's going to be even better than he is now. And as hard as that is to, you know, compute... It's true. He will be much better if he does get that early ball and he does get one-on-one with defenders and he gets more ball as well. And as I said, even if that means he plays less minutes, it will be worth it in the long run because he's going to be a much, much better player and he's going to be constantly getting more and more involved. And it's what we want to see from our stars, constantly involved. Um, I could talk about this one all day, but you know, to sum it up, I don't think he's a center. I think he is a back rower, but he just needs to get more involved. Um, loving the Cowboys though. Really excited to see them up against Parramatta next week. I think it's going to be really, really, really close. And look, as hard as that is for a few people to swallow, I think it will be quite close. I think the Cowboys are that side now. Look, people have made the argument that Cowboys won't be able to compete with those top sides. I would rather wait and see for this game. This is really going to be a big test for the Cowboys, if they can compete with Parramatta. And if they can, then it's really good signs in the long run. And I would love to see the Cowboys in finals this season. I think that would be unreal. Uh, Moving on to the next game, the Tigers v South Sydney Rabbitohs, 23 to 22. South were just poor. And as hard as that is for me to say as a South supporter, they were just poor. They were really, really poor. Their completion rate, get this, was 69%. Tigers, the West Tigers, who we all thought was going to be the wooden spoon team of this season, completed at 95%. 46 out of 48 sets. When when the Tigers can do that up against a top eight side and make them complete less, possession for South Sydney was 43%. Completion rate was 69%, 25 out of 36. That is just poor. It is poor from South Sydney. The penalty count was horrendous. It was horrendous. I'm not even going to get started. I'm not even going to get into this. It was just horrendous. But look, I won't be Mr. Negative in this one. I know I'm a South supporter and a passionate one at that. I thought Brooks was the shining light for the Tigers. Brooks was unreal. I thought that he had some really great touches of the footy. Obviously, the winning field goal as well. But just the way he conducted himself, with Hastings at the number seven, it really frees up Brooks a whole lot, and we can really see how talented Brooks really is. I know there's a lot of Brooks haters out there that think he's just woeful. I think he is one of the most talented halfbacks in our comp. A few years back, he got the halfback of the year. He got the Dalliam halfback of the year. So Luke Brooks, obviously something special there. Um, The whole Tigers team nearly run over 100 metres, which is unreal. If there's some standouts from South, Keon Kalawamatungi, I thought, was the man of the match. Cameron Murray, 66 tackles. So there were, there were some good signs. I just think that the performance overall for South Sydney was poor. Uh, but the West Tigers, really, really good signs. They come up against St. George next week. Hopefully, they can grab the win there. I think that they're definitely capable of it. If they can beat two top eight sides and complete at 95%, 
I think that they're going to blow over the Dragons, and that is a scary thought. And I'm very happy for Tigers fans as well. Hopefully, they can get the win there. South Sydney, though, they do need a redemption game against Manly this week. They really do need a redemption game against Manly. Uh, Moving on to the next game, though, we'll talk about the Knights and the Parramatta Eels. The score was 39-2, absolute thrashing. Um, I'm concerned for Newcastle now. I'm quite concerned for Newcastle. They've lost their past few games. Ponga's just signed on to a new deal. feel as though Newcastle, they're in a bit of a crisis at the moment. Can they turn it around? I hope so. I love watching Newcastle play good footy. But, geez, they are very, very lucky that Kalen Ponga did re-sign with them. Very, very lucky. Uh, But as I said, very concerned there. Dylan Brown at centre, I thought was a bit of a strange one. He played really well. He was in my team of the week. Uh, I just thought it was a bit strange there, that move. I would have probably, if I was Brad Arthur, put Bryce Cartwright in the centres there. Uh, But Dylan Brown, he did a really, really good job. Uh, And it's a very interesting talk of conversation. I don't think he's going to be there full time at all. Um, But yeah, very, very interesting Dylan Brown in the centres. Just having a look at the team list. Now, Dylan Brown's been named in the centres again. Who's out? Let me have a look at this list. No one's out. Tom Opechek's in the reserves. This is weird. This weirds me out. Okay, this is a very, very weird change there for the Parramatta Eels. Dylan Brown at centre. He has been sensational in the halves. Jake Arthur's coming into the six. Very interesting. I know that Dylan Brown had a really good game in the centres last week, but I think he's a 5'8". He's definitely a 5'8". Very weird call there from Parramatta, but we'll see how they go against the Cowboys. As I said, I reckon this game is going to be quite close. I think it is definitely going to be a close game. Uh, But moving on to the next one, though, we have Penrith v. the Raiders. It was 36-6, the scoreline. Penrith were just on fire. Back-to-back, maybe. I reckon they definitely could. I was very confident that the Roosters were going to be in the grand final. Lack of consistency. I probably have my doubts now. I'd probably have to say it'd be Penrith and Storm. I think that's the obvious choice here. Penrith and Storm grand final for sure. Uh, But 36-6, the scoreline in this game was obviously Stefan Crichton. He got a hat trick in that one. It's probably the luck that he met Big Les. He shook Big Les's hand. He got a photo with Big Les. The next week he comes out and scores a hat trick. I mean, there's got to be some correlation. There's got to be some coincidence there. It's probably because Big Les, he's the footy player's luck charm. He dead set is. Big Les, the footy player's luck charm. He gets Stefan Crichton a hat trick. Obviously, that's impacted the entire team because Cleary's come out and had a huge impact on this game. Isaiah Yo's had a big game. I mean, Big Les, he's making moves. He is making moves. Really good performance there from Penrith, though, on a serious note. They are looking really, really, really likely to go back-to-back this season. Brad Schneider, a bit of a question mark there. I thought he was going to have a bit of an impact on this game, obviously, he wasn't as impactful, but I think that he can definitely redeem himself this week. The Raiders come up against the Warriors in this one. Elliot Whitehead returns. I mean, there's a lot of positives here for the Raiders, and it's definitely a winnable game for them. But I won't judge them too harshly. Again, it was against Penrith, so I'm not really judging them too harshly on that one. But it was a very, very good game from the Penrith Panthers. I want to give credit to Josh Papali'i too with a huge effort of 100 metres and no missed tackles as well. Great effort from him, but a really good game there from the Penrith Panthers. 
Moving on to the Dragons v the Roosters. The score is 14 to 12. Very close one here. The Roosters looked like they were going to come back in that second half, but I think that the Dragons, that are really good performers defensively and attack. They just came out in defense. They, their first defensive set was unreal. Watching that from home, I had nothing but utter praise for the way they defended in that first half and especially that first set. I just feel like it's an obvious thing now that the Roosters, they are extremely inconsistent and it's really unfortunate to see that from the Roosters. I'm going to say it right here and right now, if they continue the inconsistency and if they're unable to win games like this, games they should be winning, I can't see them winning the Premiership. Now, I think it might be a bit early. Maybe the Roosters come in late to the season and ha really start to win games, really start to perform well. I'm not sure, but at the moment, I can't see them winning a premiership. Again, from what I said before, for me, most likely right now, it is most likely looking like Penrith and Melbourne to be in that grand final. And I think no one can really disagree with that. But James Tedesco. James Tedesco. If there's one guy that I'm going to call out here, it is James Tedesco. 312 running meters in a losing side. It was a really good effort from him. He was heavily involved. I feel like Manu had a bit of spark as well, but he just wasn't getting enough ball. There were some sets that they should have spread to him that they didn't, and the ones they did, they didn't give him much room. I think they got to give him more room with the ball. Sam Walker. Sam Walker. I've got a big question mark on this guy because, look, he's a talent and he's a really, really good talent coming through at the Roosters, but you can't throw a million cutout passes and expect that to fix the problem. It wasn't working. Tupo, you weren't putting him in enough space. It was just a mess. It was a mess. Hopefully, he's taken that on board. I would understand that Trent Robinson would probably ever talk to him about that. And hopefully he comes into next week looking really good. I wasn't saying he didn't look good. He looked pretty good um, compared to some of the other guys in his team and the rest of his team, to be honest. But as I said, you can't throw a million cutout passes and expect that to work every single time because it doesn't. It's n When he threw the ball, it wasn't on. It wasn't on. There was maybe one or two times that it was almost on. But... Uh, I feel like Sam Walker's very guilty of always playing what's in front of him. And that's a good thing to play what's in front of you, but things change. Like he'll throw the cutout pass and all of a sudden the defense will spread. I understand he's obviously very confident in that cutout pass, but as I said, it's not on every single time. Uh, hopefully next week he's not throwing as many cutout passes. Let's just say that. I thought Drew Hutchinson, as soon as he came on for the Roosters, I thought he started to turn that attack around. They started to get in the Dragons' face a little bit more. I think he's the answer. And no disrespect to Sam Verrills, but I would like to see Drew Hutchinson start in that nine role, maybe Connor Watson into the 14. I just don't think Verrills is the answer. I think all the games the Roosters have won, Drew Hutchinson has started at hooker this season. It's a fact. It is a straight-up fact. Uh, Verrill's very good hooker, but Drew Hutchinson has had the bigger impact on this side for me. As soon as he comes onto the field, he's directing play, and the Roosters just look a bit more comfortable, a bit more structured. I think Hutcho starting at nine has to be the way to go from here, because with Hutchinson, they win games. It's a fact. You look at all the Games they've won this season. Who starts at nine? Drew Hutchison. I'm guaranteeing you, guaranteeing you that if you look back, 
Every single game they've won this season, Drew Hutchinson has started at nine. Um, so have a look at that one. It is a straight-up fact. Uh, but Ben Hunt, if we're talking about the Dragons here, Ben Hunt, he got that side the win. He was fantastic. He was basically in everything. His kicks were unreal. His kicking game was actually superb. His kicking game was always at the right moment. And that was obviously up until the second half when they weren't even kicking at all on last play, which was a very interesting tactic. But the thing was, their sets were so good that they were getting them into the corner without even kicking, with just with their pure sets, running game, tearing the roosters apart that get them into that corner, wouldn't kick on last tackle and hold them there. And the defense kept them there, which was really, really good from the Dragons. I thought that it was a really good game. Uh, and the Dragons, they definitely deserved the win there. Moving on to the final game of the round, the Storm v. the Warriors. And this is a real scoreline, ladies and gentlemen. This is a real scoreline. It is the most that the Storm have scored ever in a season. 70 to 10. 70, the number 7-0 to 10. That is unreal. That is unheard of. Uh, and I actually feel sorry for the Warriors being beaten by 60 points. That was just heavy. I think the Warriors' first half compared to their second half was very different. Their first half, they were in that game in the first half. I'm not going to like question that for a second. Watching that first half, they were in the game. They were in the zone. Sean Johnson was playing good footy. Char- uh, Chanel Harris-DeVita, sorry, was also playing some good footy. Um, they just looked really good. But obviously then Josh Curran got injured. Dallin Watenny's Lesniak knocked the shit out of himself um, and had to be taken off via a stretcher. There were so many things went wrong, and all of a sudden, the Warriors, for confidence, I fear, went down and down and down and plummeted, and then the Storm just rode that, and wow, 70-10 to 10 is just a surprising scoreline there. The Storm's second half, 50, I think it was 50-something points that they scored, might have been 56 or something like that, I think I saw, but Wow. No team that is unheard of scores 70 points in a game. I've never seen a 70. The whole time I've watched rugby league, I've never seen a 70 on my screen. And that is just crazy. It just shows you how much potential this Melbourne Storm side has. Honestly, if I'm picking a grand final winner right now, it's probably going to be the Melbourne Storm. I think they've got this one in the bag. Xavier Coates, four tries. Jerome Hughes, two tries. Nick Meany, two tries. Ryan Pappenhausen, two tries. Jesse Brummich even went over. Like, no wonder they got all those points. Pappenhausen was playing really good footy. I thought Harry Grant was quite impressive as well. Uh, but the Jerome Hughes and Cameron Munster, geez, haven't they come a long way in this competition? Wow. I was just shocked watching that game. And, well, congratulations to the Storm. Feeling very sorry right now for Warriors fans. Hopefully, they can definitely turn it around going into this weekend of footy. But thank you for choosing Big Lezzers League. That is your round review. I'll quickly go through my fantasy team and my tipping score. My tipping score was six out of eight. The only ones I got wrong was the Roosters game and obviously the South Sydney Rabbitoh game. I don't think anyone picked the West Tigers in this one, but they definitely got the win there and yeah I think that's a tip that everyone really got wrong but obviously the West Tigers game I got wrong and the Roosters game I got wrong in that one so six out of eight was my score in terms of NRL fantasy I think I went much better than I did in previous weeks 
I have got for that round 865 points. Highest scorers in that one for me was Cameron Murray. Uh, Nathan Cleary, I had him captain. He got 85 points, so I got 170. Uh, Cameron Munster, 76 points. Going through this list, Xavier Coates, 68. Nico Hines, 78. Nico Hines is such a good get for NRL Fantasy. It's not even funny. Um, in terms of trades going into this week, I'll just let you know now, but I'll let you know on the other podcast as well. Um, I've done two trades. Obviously, Andrew Davey is out this week, so I have to trade him out. Uh, I traded Valentine Holmes. In return, I've got Isaiah Tass, and I've got uh, Talakai. C-O-C for Talakai. I thought I had to get him in my side somehow, um, and I've got him in the side this week. Round seven, you got 107 points, so definitely a good get for me. Definitely a good get, and I had to get him into this side. Uh, but the team's looking pretty good at the moment. Stefan Crichton at fullback, Nico Hines and Xavier Coates on the wings, Isaiah Tars and Taylor May in the centres, Nathan Cleary, Cameron Munster in the halves, Isaac Targo and COC for Talakai in the back row, Cam Murray at lock, Kurt Mann, Isaiah Yo also in that front row, um, Blake Braley at hooker, Josh King, David Mowali, Xavier Savage, and Joseph Sawali on the bench with Tyron Wishart, Brad Parker, and Will Smith on the reserve bench there. Jack Howarth as well there, but he hasn't been playing over the past few weeks. He's in the reserves this week. I would love to see him play some first-grade football this week. They can definitely afford it. Uh, but thank you for choosing Big Losers League and all rugby league experience. I hope you enjoyed that Round 7 review. I'll be doing the Round 8 preview, which will come out tomorrow. But thank you for choosing Big Losers League and all rugby league experience. Recommend this podcast to a friend. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Well,